Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. Seems like a pretty good weekend to talk about women and our values, in our value. As mentioned earlier, we're kicking off a series entitled Valuable, Why We Need Each Other. And over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about male or female, young or old, single or married, and why we were, are all valuable in God's family. Each of us belongs to the greater body of Christ. This community where individual uniqueness and our unity in faith come together. You know, Jesus was amazingly inclusive of all people. He saw the great value in each and every person that he encountered. And likewise, he calls us to see the value in each person regardless of race, of status, and of gender. And when we do that, the result is a community. A community made stronger by its part. A community that is one whole can live more fully to reflect God's love to the world. And as I was asked to talk about women and our value, I started thinking a bit about my own life. And this idea of belonging, having a place and a space to pursue the person that God was calling me to be. And when I was a kid, I was pretty sure that God was calling me to become a professional baseball player. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. And my dad, my brother, and I, we'd jump on the L and go down to Wrigley Field to cheer on our team, the Chicago Cubs. And summer after summer, we waited for those Cubs to clinch the pennant. And those were the days of Ron Santos, Don Kissinger, Fergie Jenkins. And from the ages of 9 to 11, I asked, no, I insisted that my friends call me Ernie Banks. Hey, We both played first base, and I watched Mr. Cub on May 19, 1970, hit his 499th home run. I loved baseball. I spent my summers playing baseball in my backyard with my brother and all the neighborhood boys. We played so hard that we literally put permanent bases in the lawn. It was an amazing time. And between you and I, I was better than all of them. I held the record for home runs. In my family, we spent our summers with Little League Baseball. Take a look. This is baseball, Little League Baseball. That's my brother, Scott, running back and forth. You can see the team cheering. Because he slid and he stole home plate. And there's my dad. He was a coach. Walking back to third base. My brother was a third baseman. Like I said, I loved first base. And I loved those Saturdays. There were parents there cheering the team on. That's me. (laughs) Back to my brother. And if you noticed... That was me on the sideline. Because I was a girl, 
And in 1970, there wasn't a place in Little League Baseball for girls. No matter how passionate, how good, how called I felt to baseball, there wasn't a place. And when I think about the history of women, and sadly sometimes women in the church, I realize that there have been times when there hasn't been a place for women to participate. No matter how gifted, how talented, how called, there wasn't room. But here's the good news. Unlike Little League Baseball of 1970, a life centered in Jesus transcends gender. We live in a culture that gives lots of mixed messages to what it means to be a woman. But we can look at scripture and we can see through scripture and Jesus, God's love and his value for us as women. And while we're at it, we can look at scripture and Jesus to see God's love and value for you men too. That's the thing. This isn't an either or. It's an and both. So I'll try hard to hold back any shout outs of women rock or you go girls. Because like I said, it's an and both. We are created in the image of our triune God. And out of that, there's this relationship of love and equality that honors our uniqueness, but yet holds us together in oneness at the same time. And that's the beauty of this conversation. We need each other. The community of God is only truly alive and well when we are in it together. And I want to clarify that this conversation about women in the church, it's not a political thing. It's a Jesus thing. So it's important, important for all of us to understand God's love for us and our equality in Christ. And when we understand that it's about who we are in Christ, that our value is in being a child of God, then we can be the community that God calls us to be, a community of inclusivity, celebrating each person's uniqueness and living a life of unity that glorifies God. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 says this, You were all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Paul's writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. And really what he's doing is he's confronting the Judaizers. Think of them as an extreme faction of the church that believed that the Gentile Christians had to follow the laws and traditions of the Jews as well as believing in Christ. And what Paul's doing here, he's reminding us, he's reminding the people of those days that, J- that Jesus came for all people and that salvation is by God's grace through Christ and nothing else. You see, Jesus changed everything. He moved God's truth from ritual to relationship, from law to grace, from deeds to faith. 
And in this passage that we're looking at today, we can see that Paul's thesis statement in verses 26 through 29 is this. In Christ Jesus, there's a new oneness and a new relationship of being God's children. The theme in this passage concerns the new identity given by God to believers. All who are in Christ become children of God. They receive baptism as a sign that they have put on Christ. And this means that they receive a new nature, which reflects the image of God. And out of their diversity, they join a community in which the members are all one in Christ. Regardless of racial ancestry, they become Abraham's offspring. And therefore heirs to the promise of Abraham. That promise is now for anyone who has faith in Christ. This passage, it shows us what happens to people who, by faith, identify themselves in Christ. And Paul's emphatic answer is that we receive a new identity, which we share with believers. And what I think is important to our conversation today about women is that this common identity, it changes everything. It transcends gender, race, status. The passage emphasizes our commonality as believers. It's a Jesus thing. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. And Paul is clear on this. When we identify with Christ by faith, our spiritual allegiance, our commitment to Jesus, it takes precedence over racial or ethnic distinctiveness, class or social status, male or femaleness. In this conversation, that means that being a man or woman, that's, that's not as big as what it means to be one in Jesus Christ. We still remain female and male, celebrating the uniqueness in that. And at the same time, acknowledging that this distinction between, becomes immaterial in our equal participation in the life of the church. And Paul is telling us this, that our worth, our rank, our role, our office, or even participation, it's not determined by our gender. And there seems to be some confusion amongst Christians as to some of Paul's teachings regarding women in the life and the leadership of the church. And I think what Paul says here, it breaks down huge barriers of the culture of that time, then and now. And I think it clearly states that in God's eyes, we are all equal. Galatians 3.28 has a powerful implication for social relations. Paul's message meant that a female no longer needed to be attached to a male to have a place in community. Women's roles need not be limited to wife and mother. And in Jesus' own teachings, the apostles' words open the door to, to the ministry of women. So where is the confusion for the church on the value of women and their roles and their life of the church? And I have to be honest, when I've heard some of the conversations in the broader evangelical world about whether it's biblical or not to have women in leadership, I've been taken aback 
Because when I look at scripture, despite the culture that day, we see many places that God has called women into leadership roles. The Old Testament gives us gives women who served in positions of spiritual leadership that place with Israel. Israel was a patriarchal society, yet the women of those times that led God's people, they did so with the approval and the anointing of God. And what can't be ignored in this conversation is Jesus. More specifically, Jesus and women. In John Ortberg's book, Who is This Man? He says this, What is remarkable about Jesus, one of those seeds he planted that keeps producing surprising growth, is his amazing inclusivity of all people. There was an inclusivity to Jesus' spirit that is part of what drew people to him and still draws them. And it marked his relationship with women. He goes on to quote Diedrich Bonhoeffer in saying, Jesus gave women human dignity. Prior to Jesus, women were regarded as inferior beings, religiously speaking. And during Jesus' time on earth, women were viewed as greatly inferior to men. Yet Jesus' attitude toward women was revolutionary. His treatment of women as religious equals, so far as the privileges of the kingdom of God, is really significant. Jesus, through his words, his actions, his relationships, showed his high regard for women. His references to women were out of the ordinary, and it put them to the level equal to men. He included women in several parables. He further established their equality through specific teachings about women. He gave them the same blessings that he gave men. He healed women. His teachings on marriage spoke to the equal roles, rights, and responsibilities of both men and women. His further regard for women's intellectual capacity and spiritual potential can be seen in his his conversations with women throughout Scripture. Jesus violated the practice of the day by conversing with women. A deliberate and a purposeful statement of his his high regard for women. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus established equality through his relationships with women. And in his day, men didn't keep company with women. But Jesus did. And at a time that was unheard of, Jesus welcomed women to be students of his teaching and to travel with him. And speaking of Jesus, Craig Keener, in his book, Two Views on Women in Ministry, states this. What is more striking is his acceptance of women as actual disciples. Something few, if any other rabbis ever did. To sit at a teacher's feet was to adopt the posture of a disciple. Do you recall the Mary and Martha story? Mary assumes this role, and Jesus both holds it up and defends it. I think Jesus' radical value of women meant that they began to take on unusually prominent roles of leadership in the early church. And we see this in different places, particularly in Paul's epistles. And two examples stick out from Romans 16. In verse 1, Paul commands a woman named Phoebe, who occupies the same position as the deacons 
of 1 Timothy 3. And then a very interesting and I think powerful statement is Paul's greeting to Junia and Andronicus in Romans 16, 7. Paul states this, Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives and fellow prisoners who were outstanding among the apostles and who were in Christ before I was. I think this verse is significant because it speaks to Paul's affirmation of women in ministry and leadership role. And I have to tell you, in one of my Greek classes, I took Greek for a year and a half, and in one of the classes we spent weeks studying not just this verse, but the word junia. We studied the, ori- the original Greek translation of junia. We studied ancient manuscripts. We studied early scholars, and it was so interesting to see that in the original Greek, it was junia with the A, the alpha at the end, which made it a a feminine word. And it was clear that Paul was greeting a fellow apostle, a female. But what we found in our study was that over the centuries, and it was about during the 8th century, It appears that some scholars determined that there must have been an error in some of the early original transcriptions, as Paul wouldn't have, couldn't have chosen a female for that kind of leadership. And in the 8th century, when they changed that, the Bibles started to include a footnote saying that. And then over the centuries, the footnote was dropped. And in many of our Bibles today, Junia has become Junius. And that's a male. So in terms of women and our value, there's still confusion today. Remember the uproar a few months ago over the Pope washing the feet of women? This washing of the feet, it was a holy ritual that was restricted to men. But as a sign of greater inclusiveness in the church, the Pope broke from that tradition. But you know, there were people who responded with outrage to that. But a reporter said this. Here the right was for a small community made up also of women. Excluding the girls would have been inopportune in light of the simple aim of community. A message to all. The Pope's act showed the all-embracing love of Christ who ministered to all he met, man or woman, Slave or free, Jew or Gentile. And when we respond by excluding others, I sometimes wonder if we forget Jesus. How did we move from Jesus' inclusion of women and the significant leadership roles that women played in the early church to kind of a spotty history of excluding women? I don't have the answer to that, but here's what I do know. Scripture affirms the quality of men and women, affirms God's call to each of us, unique to our individual gifts, and it affirms that we are part of the priesthood of all believers. And in the community that followed Jesus, women would be given a different place. Jesus was a revolutionary figure, and he came to earth to set things right. Christ, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, 
It changed everything. He ate with the outcasts. He touched the unclean. He recruited women to ministry. And through Christ, every life is worthy to God. And it's from that belief that we know that all men and women are created equal. Through scripture, we know that Christ didn't just say these things. He lived these things. And how do we argue with that? Jesus' example. That's what we're to be following. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be a part of this place, a place that seeks and follows Jesus, a place that values men and women equally as part of the family of God. I suppose I wouldn't be standing up here otherwise. And as I've participated in this community, I've watched God work in amazing ways through both men and women. God's done extraordinary things in transforming people's lives in and through each and every one of us. It is an and both. Jesus' vision of life continues to challenge us to do it better, to live as Christ. And as followers, we are to live a life, a life that reflects God's truth and treats each and every person as valuable. It is a Jesus thing. So Jesus came. He came to set things straight. And sometimes we forget and we mess it up. But Jesus offers a new community for women. He offers a place on the team. And as I look back on my life and my love of baseball, I can see that an awful lot has changed since 1970. Take a look. That's my daughter, Annie. She had the ball. You also see a little blonde next to, running right there with the white sweatshirt. That's my niece, Molly. I got to play because I got to coach. And it's an amazing thing to get to see girls participate in ways that I wasn't able to. But they're able to participate in having a place on the team. Annie is now in her 20s. And she and her sister Kate have gotten to follow their passion and their call. And played soccer their entire lives. The other little girl that I pointed up out up there was my niece Molly. And you know what? I got to give a shout out. Because yesterday after I got done preaching, I got to go up and see that little blonde be commissioned as an officer in the United States Army. And the brunette, my daughter, while I was preaching yesterday, was finishing taking her MCAT for med school. And because of Jesus, because of Jesus, They were able to follow their calls regardless of gender. And I think that's something to celebrate. So this is what I have to say. You go, girls. And here's the thing. 
in Christ Jesus. We are all children of God through faith. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. And it is a Jesus thing. We are a value to God's family. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you, Lord, that on this day we celebrate mothers and women and men. Because we know, God, in the way that you walked and ministered and the way you spent your time on earth, that you created each and every one of us to be in community. You created each and every one of us with our unique gifts to come together and to love each other and value each other just as you love us. And we thank you for that truth, God. We thank you for the truth that you know us and you love us and you value us. All this in your precious and holy name. Amen.